the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Talking investing and getting into retirement. And virtual cats. I know you're saying virtual cats. Where is he going with this one? Virtual cats are a thing. There's something called GDC. And I'm one of those people that anytime I see an acronym or letters and numbers string together, I'm like, what is, what's that mean? And I can't help but read articles in newspapers. I love it. I prefer a real newspaper versus uh, Kindle, but that's because I hate trees. I've got a, a long line of hating trees. I come from a long line of hating trees. My father hated trees. My father's father hated trees. Uh, I think I was related to Johnny Appleseed at one point in time who chopped down apple trees. So I've spent a couple days thinking about GDC and Gamers Developers Conference in San Francisco. And one of the things I did growing up as a kid was I played a lot of video games. A lot of video games. I want to say that I was born with not a bottle in my hand. Maybe a joystick. I had the Atari 2600. I had ColecoVision. I had Intellivision. With all these consoles, I probably, had I invested, I'd probably worth be, you know, hundreds of millions, right? I'm struck with how fast cities change, how fast states change, how fast the video game business has changed. And something that I absolutely hate are virtual goods. When your kid comes to you and they're like, Dad, I want to buy 1,400 gems. I'm like, well, 1,400 gems is going to cost you millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it's going to cost $4. I'm like, $1,400? You want $4 on something that is in your phone and goes away? So you basically want it to play video games for $4. And that's the right answer, virtual goods. Building digital worlds where people want to spend a good chunk of their time and occasionally some money on cosmetic modifications is what these digital goods are all about. The idea that people spend real money on virtual objects, it's not new. It's been around forever and ever and ever. And whether you're Tencent or Activision or Electronic Arts or Valve, they've made millions of dollars selling you costumes. Digital costumes. Like, I remember Valve's got a game, Team Fortress. Does that sound right? It's been a long time since I played it. And you could get, like, a chicken hat. But it cost you, like, 99 cents to, like, but no one else had the chicken hat. You're like, I'm cool. I got a chicken hat on. So a lot of people kind of try to do it within reason. You know, you spend 40 to 60 bucks on a game or you get it for free. So you go, I'll spend $15 dressing up my Overwatch character. Um, 
And that's your that's your budget, $15. So you have a budget for your video game character, just like you have a budget for you. This weekend, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to buy some clothes and get a cup of coffee. Oh, and maybe a beer at Cheesecake. And suddenly, I just I broke my budget, right? Ooh. Last year, there was a, a really, really naughty, just, just mean-spirited debate on ethics about Star Wars Battlefront. And the way you, you, you'd see characters in commercial like Yoda and Chewbacca, and you're like, I want to play Yoda and Chewbacca. And then you realize that you have to spend like $60 on loot crates to maybe get them. Loot crates are kind of a, you spend a buck and maybe there's some ammo in there. Maybe there's a crossbow in there. And maybe there is, oh, a stormtrooper. I got another stormtrooper, not uh, Chewbacca. Uh, I'm sorry, Chewie. If Chewbacca were to ask your sister out on a date, would you let him go? It's an ethical debate. Are you out of your mind? Man versus Wookiee. So that's the kind of debate that we had last year. Is, is it cool to tell gamers you have to spend money to potentially get a character that should probably come with it or looks like it came with it? So developers are still trying to figure out exactly how they can get away with charging for the right systems to get you happy and not feeling like your dad's freaked out that you're spending virtual money on clothes that aren't even real. There's what I would refer to as an obsession. League of Legends came out in 2009. It's still a powerhouse. So to get people to stay for that long of a time and spending a little bit of money. Microsoft spot Minecraft a couple years ago. And to this day, it's going strong. So ready player one is the Steven Spielberg movie slash book that it's kind of got a virtual reality universe inside the movie and video game developers would love to have a virtual reality type universe where you keep coming back and you spend a little bit more money and a little bit more money and a little bit more money. Game makers are focused on building the same kind of worlds of interactive experiences and not just silly games. Um, because the silly game we tire of and yeah, we may throw some money into it. Um, you know, the jewelry quest and gym quests and things like that, where you're trying to move the candy quest and you're trying to get the bombs and you're like, you were so close. If you only had two more moves, you would have absolute control. You would have won, but you kind of get bored of it after level 149, but you've spent 20 bucks, but they want you to go on 365 days a year. So there's something called cryo kitties and it's a pretty extreme thought. There's a company called CryoKitties, and they just raised $12 million from Andreessen Horowitz and Union Square Ventures. It takes the idea that people want to own virtual objects to its logical extreme. Why should Blizzard own the skins when you buy an avatar in your game, the clothes? What if instead you could resell them? What if I bought it for a dollar, a chicken hat, and suddenly some, someone says, that's a crazy cool chicken hat. Can I sell it to them for a buck and a quarter? So this is called decentralizing, and it's less crazy than you can think. To think about, like, who owns your music that you've paid for when you die? Do you? Or does it revert back to Apple? 
who owns the movies that you've downloaded, all the Star Wars movies that you wanted your kids to watch, but you accidentally died, and they're too depressed to go into your account? Designers and entrepreneurs right now are selling digital goods in what are essentially unproductive parts of our life. But if they can figure out ways of selling digital goods that are in the productive part of our life and that we could resell, that's where the game movement industry is moving. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. First episode of South Park this season had Cartman basically playing with his Alexa. And he'd say, Hey, Alexa. No. Now I can't do a Cartman voice. You will respect my authority. Alexa, say, suck, kiss my butt. So everyone who had an Alexa in their living room or in their kitchen, their Alexa came on and would say, kiss my butt, or however Alexa says things. And the whole show featured Cartman saying, hey, Alexa, say... And it was kind of funny. Um, if you test it out, it does work. It's, it's one of those things that I don't know if we plan for that. And I don't know what the emergency plan is for maybe a husband who has emails that he doesn't want his spouse to read. And you say, hey, Alexa, read my emails. Because there isn't like a voice differentiation technology at this point in time. Or maybe it's a wife who goes out and buys like, I don't know, magical cream that she could put on her body and all of her fat and... Uh, muscles that are relaxed go away. Her stretch marks suddenly turn into candy that you can eat. But that's the problem with Alexa. And here's the problem with Alexa that I have is that people are buying stuff on Amazon that they normally wouldn't buy. And I want to bring in Tony and Mendez in for this segment. Tony, have you ever used Amazon and um, Prime Service? Yes. Thank you very much. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is my mortgage lender. Um, the way an e-tailer has unveiled product before is always kind of interesting because it's typically like about convenience. But Amazon comes out and they unveil like 10 different Echoes, voice-activated home speakers, uh, including one that serves as a digital alarm clock, which we didn't really know we needed another digital alarm clock because don't we have alarm clocks on cell phones and, oh, heck, radio alarms, right? Lex can already help you watch videos on the web, uh, turn on kitchen timers, listen to music, shop on Amazon, and do other tasks that with smartphones run by Amazon arch rivals like Google and Apple. Amazon's eager right now to have Alexa do much, 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 much more, like control your remote control. Um, they say like a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. They say a way through a woman's heart is with a good bank account. They don't say that. It's just that's my freaking, freaking assumption at this point. Busted eardrums. Uh, I need coffee. Um, so Amazon wants Alexa to do more. Control your TV. And we're just not there yet. Like Apple TV's new Apple TV. It's great. And it makes the picture so much better. And if you have Comcast and you... Comcast boxes typically don't support 4K. But the Apple TV does support 4K. And if you want to watch ABC on Comcast, you're getting like 1K or 2K at best. But if you watch it through your box on Apple or through Roku. They all have 4K boxes. Um, you're getting 4K. 
So like yesterday I was doing a side-by-side comparison. It's like pretty impressive. Um, but controlling my TV is ultimately my, my happy point, right? Amazon promises a single command. Alexa can take over your morning routine on flipping on lights, find a pot of coffee. Alexa wants to control the 1990s novelty gift. Uh, big Mouth Billy Bass. Do you remember Big Mouth Billy Bass? It's a big fake bass that's mounted on a wall. Alexa has one of those coming out, or Amazon has one of those coming out that has Alexa's voice. And you can say, hey, Big Mouth Billy Bass, what's the score of the Bass Fishman con- Contest this week in Oklahoma City? And Big Bass Billy Bass, Big Mouth Billy Bass would be able to give an answer to you. And what's fascinating about that is um, when I quit this show, I'm going to become a writer on a fishing show. So um, that's my goal. It's always been my retirement goal. It's either that or go on Survivor. It's my big mouth Billy Bass. I fired it up from my, my basement this weekend. When I was down in the basement, I said hello to all my prisoners, my captives, people that you're going to be like, oh, that's where that person was. Uh huh. So Big Mouth Billy Bass is going to be controlled by Alexa now. Amazon's building a future untethered from the smartphone is what they're trying to do, but with all the software intelligence, that gadget, and more. So remember they had the smartphone that had this like uh, 3D holographic thing? Biggest flop. And uh, Jeff Bezos is like, oh, we're going to make bigger flops. And basically he wants to control your TV like your phone would control your TV. He wants to give you sports scores like your phone would give you sports scores. He wants to give you a timer on your, on your cooking like your phone would give you a timer. But he wants to do it with different devices. It's almost as if he was dumped by a cell phone when he was younger. And he's doing everything he can to kill the cell phone. So each Alexa-powered Amazon device seems carefully calibrated to optimize a specific task. The Fire TV is for entertainment. The Echo is for music. The Spot is for morning and nighttime routines. The Echo shows for communication. So he's trying to throw stuff. For the record, I threw some dog poop against a wall, and it stuck. So you know how there, there's that saying of throwing poop against the wall? Ah! It's actually kind of artistic. And I get why Jeff Bezos is throwing everything against the wall at this point in time. Um, because some stuff does stick. So there's no guarantees that the strategy is going to win. And some people look at poop against the wall and go, it's just poop against the wall. And that's like looking at Jackson Pollock and just saying it's a whole bunch of scribbles. So the dominant form of computing is still the smartphone. But even Apple's moving away from it because now they have a smartphone that can make phone calls. And let me tell you, it is pretty nice to have your cell phone in your pocket to be out on a date, doing a little zooby, zooby, zoo, having a little wine. And the lady, the lady across from you is like, oh, Robert, you're so funny. And I'm like, well, thank you. And she's like, you know what I really like about you is you're not always looking at your phone. I'm like, why, well, thank you. But I am looking at, I can tell on my watch. My watch has a funny, you know, bzz, 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 three buzzes. It's, it's my friend Tony. Let's bring in Tony real quick for, did you know, Tony, that you're a three buzz guy on my, on my watch? What does that mean? That's Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Get your mortgage done through Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. So back to me. Um, yeah, so like the watch is moving away from the phone and it's kind of nice. So there's no guarantee that uh, Bezos is going to win out on the strategy. The dominant form of computing is still the smartphone. But in five to ten years from now, Apple's moving away from it. The facial recognition that they're, they're unlocking with their, their X, not their X, their 10 
I like saying it like X, not like the letter X, but like E E E E C K X. The X. I thought X. Say that. I know, right? So the jury's still out if these devices are going to like basically eventually just let our phone be a phone again. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Um, and I'm still waiting for the Get Smart Two phone. Okay. So yesterday I sang, "I'm coming out." Tied towards some company coming out with a new product. But I did a song version, and I got no hate email. So I'm going to do a song every single day now until I get hate email. Hate email powers me, like solar energy powers Tesla. Uh, so this is where that song came from in my head. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What do you want to talk about financially speaking? I'm here for you. You don't have to be shy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, <clears throat> I think we as a society are going to go through a little bit of a change where minimal, minimalism is going to come in. And that's going to be a good thing and not a bad thing. I, I hope that's the case because, man, i got a closet full of junk, right? i got a garage full of junk. And to me, that... All of that stuff is like money thrown away. Um, did I ever need it? I've got a TV that has a VCR built into it that I used to use in my office. And for some reason, I've kept it just in case I need like a, a quick hit on a VCR or something like that. Like, oh, I haven't had a hit of crack cocaine in a while. I need to hit my VCR. Quick hit. Put in a VHS tape. Like, what do I have on VHS that I still want? And aren't all those tapes going to be like, crap, by the way? I mean, haven't they probably deteriorated into dust? Dust in the wind. So listen to this. This is kind of fun. I've kept every show email prep that I've ever done. Um, I send them to myself at a Yahoo account. And uh, not every. I've done it since 2004. Um, kind of when Yahoo and Google started doing Yahoo Mail started like, hey, you can store all your old crappy emails here. Um, or let's say you had a second life that you wanted to live on Match.com. You'd set up your Yahoo account. But anyway, listen to this. On the radio show back in 2005, part of my prep was Google's U.S. search referral percentage hit an all-time high on June 6, 2005, climbing above 52%. The percentage of search traffic that it sends to other websites is more than double that of its nearest competitor, Yahoo. Google's market share is even higher in the UK and Germany. So I'd go on the air and I'd, I'd go, I'd talk like that. And you'd be like, why are you talking like that? You sound, uh, you sound affected. Maybe I was. So Google search for referral percentage by selected countries. It was at 40% in the UK. No, 40% in Japan. 65% in the UK, almost 80% in Australia, and almost 90% in Germany. So I talked about that, and this is the best part. U.S. search referral market share, top three search engines, Google, Yahoo, and MSN. So that was part of my show prep, okay? Are you with me? And um, so in 2005, you were hearing me talk about Google. Now it's 2017. Had you invested in Google in 2005? 
Um, at this time, it was a hundred. No, hold on, don't want to cheat. It was an eighty-nine dollar and ninety-two cent stock, and now it's climbed to nine hundred fifteen dollars. Ten bagger. Um, now back then you were probably like, well, I think MSN is really going to catch on with people because they're Microsoft. You were wrong. So sometimes it's it's very worthwhile to go through some of your oldest emails and look back and say, what did I do right and what did I do wrong? History is a great teacher of um, perspective. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. Um, it's funny. I, I saw a story recently about the best places to go this summer. And, um, most of them I'm like, I've been and they're not the best places. So I don't know. Is it funny how we get older? We kind of acquire more of a snobbery taste or I don't, I don't want to go to Phoenix. I've been to Phoenix, Arizona, right? And I've been to a resort there and it was kind of cute because back in 2001 or 2002, I was dating this incredibly beautiful woman um, from Canada and she was a CFA. No, she was just, she was an accountant for um, in San Jose. And uh, we flew off to Phoenix one weekend just to see what it's all about, you know. And uh, it was hot. And it was funny because she didn't bring a bathing suit. So she was she basically decided to kind of skinny dip in the hot tub at like 10 o'clock at night. And another couple came. So she was stuck. So she's just sitting there, just sitting there. And she's like cooking. <clears throat> and uh, I finally figured out how to get her a towel in a discreet kind of fashion. But... Where does this story go? So we went to Phoenix, and they've got a wonderful nightlife. Wonderful, cute bars, right? And uh, they got this mountain called um, Camelback. And you hike Camelback, and everyone hikes Camelback. And it's kind of cute, because the people that are hiking Camelback are typically tourists, right? It's a cute little mountain range that you can hike. And um, it's not that tough. It's not that difficult. But it's funny. One of the things I like to do when I'm I'm hiking, whether it's in the woods or... um, in a, on a mountainous area, like in Phoenix. So you were walking back down the, the hill, and you go, man, those three rattlesnakes hit on that, that rock? I did not see those guys coming. And you just keep walking past the tourists, and they're like, rattlesnakes? Rattlesnakes up ahead? Rattlesnakes. So this list has names on it, like Raleigh, North Carolina. I've been to Raleigh, North Carolina, and it's it's nice, but it's it's it's, it's not worth visiting. I own a pro- piece of property in Raleigh, North Carolina, and it's nice, but it's not worth visiting, like, to visit. Um, Branson, Missouri. No, thank you. Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. No, thank you. So Dallas, all very nice cities, but I think visiting cities to me is something that you do when you're in your teens and your twenties and then you're over it. Like I've been to Portland once or twice and I'm like, done it. I've been there actually a lot more than that, but as a, as a tourist, uh, I do want to see Salt Lake city. I don't know why. Um, there's some cities like Williamsburg, Virginia, which are like these old colonial cities. They got like a, a street called Dog Street. And you're like, why do they call it Dog Street? And it's like Duke of Gloucester. Like, ooh, America has a history where we used ye old language. Now I'll say this. Memphis is a pretty nice weekend because it, it throws you. It's, it's got a lot of live music, a lot of nice bars and good food. But once you've been, you've been. So, you know. That was brought up because these are cities that you can visit, and they're kind of cheap to visit. Number three on the list is Las Vegas. Number two on the list is San Antonio, Texas. And number one on the list is the Grand Canyon. And I'm kind of um, 
uh, very Fred Flintstone about the Grand Canyon, where Fred and Barney are driving to Rock Vegas, and they're driving through the desert, and there's this teeny, teeny, tiny little river that they cross, and it says, future side of the Grand Canyon, or something like that. And uh, Fred says to Barney, it's not very much right now, but in a couple thousand years, it's going to be pretty darn special. Why did we like this cartoon? Wasn't the animation awful? Town of Bedrock. Uh, is that a blast out of your childhood? Hopefully it is. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm sure a lot of millennials are like, what are you talking about? Did all those great cartoons completely disappear? I need to know. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So there's a book that I started the segment with called The More of Less. It's by Joshua Becker, and I read through it. And, you know, it's kind of cute because I think the tagline was maybe the life you've always wanted is buried underneath everything you own. Um, it's a set of incredible, a set of incredible statistics on consumerism in our country. We consume twice as many material goods as we did 50 years ago. The size of the American home has also tripled in that same time frame. Um, each individual house right now in America contains at least 300, not, not at least, the average home contains 300,000 total items. Stop and think about that for a second. I dated a girl who was a millennial and went into her apartment and she goes, can you buy me a candle? And I'm like, why do you want a candle? She says, the books, look at them, the books, yuck, books. She was fantastic. She got, at one point in time, we're getting orange juice at a breakfast and she goes, is it fresh? And the waiter goes, yes, it's fresh. She goes, is it fresh? Yes, it's fresh. Like, and then she did the squeezing motion of how you make orange juice, like this kind of fresh or did it come from a curtain? Like she was not going to have not fresh orange juice. It, she was going to have fresh orange juice. She was not going to have anything from a carton. So 300,000 items. But anyway, she did, she wanted to get rid of cables. She'd rather watch TV on a computer because she didn't want a cable box and the cables that run into the TV. She was all about minimalism. Um, on average, our homes contain more televisions than people. 25% of people with a two-car garage don't have room to park their cars. 32% have only room to park one car. The home organization industry is now an $8 billion industry, and it's growing at 10% a year. That's a business you can get into. Um, reorganizing people's closets, helping them get rid of trash in their house. One out of 10 Americans rent off-site storage. That's crazy. You're paying to have a room for your junk. The fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry of the past four decades. And most people can't afford a $400 emergency. And yet we have 300,000 items in our home. The average American's got a credit card debt of about $15,000. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So I was talking a little deregulation, and I kind of want to flesh this out with you. Because when you talk stocks, sometimes you talk sectors, in this case, the financial sector. But sometimes it's not just the company themselves. Like I know Goldman Sachs is getting a lot of flack right now from Wall Street Research on some of the trading volumes, and that makes total sense. I like reading research reports. And just for the record, if you have an account with Fidelity, Vanguard, T. Rowe Price, 
uh, TD Ameritrade, they all have online access. And if you use online access and trust it, which I do, um, there's oftentimes a lot of free research that you can get that costs a lot of money. Uh, if you were to pay for it, delivered into like a research account, but since it's being delivered into your brokerage account, the brokerage is paying for you know bulk discount, and you get the perk of that. So read those research reports if you have a stock, and you know you may see like a. Typically, you're going to see like kind of the first sheet which sums everything up, and that allows someone to talk to you and go, "I think you should consider buying shares of Goldman Sachs because right now the trading volumes are down." That's a bullet point. And long term, you know, it's a franchise that makes billions of dollars. That's a bullet point. So read the research and kind of like get familiar, but then read the details on page four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the research report that talks about some of the risks and the profile of the companies. So right now, the Treasury Department is trying to ease regulatory burdens, whether it be on oil pipeline companies. Hey, if oil spills and kills the the hairy-bellied moth, that's okay. Now, in the past, the, the, the hairy-bellied moth was protected. Said hairy-bellied moth is fictitious. But regulations easing can help a, a pipeline company get it done, say, build a pipeline in a year versus five years where you have to do a study on the hairy-bellied moth. Now, nothing against hairy-bellied moths, but some people say, you know, as a nation, we have to push forward and have economic activity, Ruxus paper that's going to trump, you know, environmental concerns. Or there's a kind of a, a scale of how far do we let it go. But regulations are an area that we can change on Capitol Hill to kind of grease business transactions. So the good news for investors right now is big banks, including Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, um, State Street, and Bank of New York could get a cumulative earnings boost of about 30% if a series of regulatory relief actions take place. And those are all pretty good names. In the past, I've liked State Street a lot. And Citigroup is a company I like a lot for their international brand. If you were thinking banks right now, you'd go Bank of America. But that Bank of America is very American-centric, which is okay in a world of calamity. Um, It's like small-cap stocks in a world of calamity. If your small company doesn't have exposure to Europe and there's terrorism in Europe, you're like, ooh, but your Citigroup might get hit in Europe or your Hilton Hotels might get hit in Europe kind of thing. So there's different ways to play, but Citigroup is a big international play on banks. And like Bank of America is a small one on U.S. banks, as is State Street. So the potential regulatory actions may not occur toward, until 2018 um, due to a depleted group of bank regulators in Washington. President Donald Trump recently nominated Randall Corals who was an investment manager for a vacant spot on the Federal Reserve's seven-member board of governors. He would take a lead role in bank supervision. Um, it's going to take time for his nomination to clear Congress, and there are two other vacancies on the Fed board. Then there's the question of Trump himself. Will he renominate Janet Yellen of the federal as the federal chair? Her term ends in February. Quarles is viewed favorably by bankers, given his background. He publicly stated that he sees... Um, a dramatic increase in bank capital has led to higher interest rates, and his criticism of the Volcker Rule, which banned proprietary trading at banks, uh, would help these guys. So easing of capital rule on risk-free deposits is one bank change that would be regulation and would help the banks. Modification of the Volcker Rule, which restricts bank trading. Um, and again, should banks be trading? 
back in the 1990s, banks became brokers and brokers became insurance companies and insurance became banks and insurance companies became broke. Like they all kind of started to consolidate at one point in time, man, how times have changed. There used to be a Chinese wall between these guys. Now I'm just going to say <laughs> there's going to be a great wall or what, how do I not offend someone with a wall comment? Um, at one point in time, it, it was Clinton who dismantled those walls as far as, you know, letting banks and financial companies kind of get in bed with each other. Um, and a lot of people stressed because when you had a bank like a Bear, uh, Bear Stearns or a Lehman Brothers, you know, fail, it took a lot with it, not just the core business. It took a lot of new businesses they had put together. So the bank stress test every two years might go away. Uh, it might become every two years or every three years or every four years versus every year. And if you allow banks to reduce excess capital in line with foreign banks, it would, again, potentially return a lot of money to the banks. So State Street, which has about 40% of its deposits tied up into the easing of capital burden on banks taking institutional deposits that are held in risk-free treasuries at, or at the Federal Reserve, uh, they would be a big winner, as would Bank of New York. Different banks would have different plays here as you know, their exposure to different regulations. Banks with a large trading operation, for instance, J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, they spend heavily to meet compliance rules. And the Treasury pro proposes right now to simplify the definition of proprietary trading and allow greater flexibility in market making and hedging. The idea there is to, to improve market liquidity, get more trades going, and that ultimately the volume kind of figures out winners and losers uh, more efficiently than someone sitting behind a desk who writes an article. Market making may become more important as the Federal Reserve starts to unwind its $4.5 trillion bond portfolio uh, throughout the year, this year, and into 2018 and beyond. So it's going to take some time, but there's going to be some regulatory hurdles that are removed. It's widely expected. Now, again, with the Trump administration, a lot of people are, you know, looking, you know, how much hair does this Russia investigation have on it, and does it lead to charges or others? Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 